This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, some of our bottles can be remade in a whole new way, using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles using no new plastic, except the caps and labels. Learn more at madetoberemade.org. Hi, folks. Another week of news to make sense of. Congress cannot seem to agree on how to proceed after former special counsel Robert Mueller's marathon congressional testimony last week. Trump's forthcoming nomination of Republican Representative John Ratcliffe to be the next director of national intelligence. The Justice Department announced that the federal government will resume its use of capital punishment. Jeffrey Epstein was found injured and semi-conscious in his jail cell. An American rapper has been charged and detained in Sweden for assault. And President Trump slams the Swedish prime minister for not taking U.S. orders to release him. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. You do raise an interesting question, though. Again, I don't love this either, the saying, I would charge or I would definitely charge. There's a piece there. I feel very strongly that there's something about accountability that we're missing right now and that we have to figure out, like, what is the accountability mechanism? And let's even talk about the 2020 election piece. How do we get to a point where we hold our current government accountable for the fact that our election systems, it said that report that came out last Thursday from the Intelligence Committee, the bipartisan report said that all 50 states had had election interference. All 50. All 50. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I mean, there's a lot we can talk about with this, but one of the things I was I found chilling was this question they have at the beginning is, what's the motive? And so did you follow this? Like, there's two possible things they have. The first is that the Russians were infiltrating all these systems and they have IP addresses internet protocol addresses that the Russians were sending to these ele- these state election systems where they were able to sort of access information about voters. One possible motive, the first one they say is that they were testing it out for future use. And that to me is chilling. The second option was, which I actually found less compelling, was to basically influence the election by showing their ability to essentially hack into these voting systems. There are a lot of reasons why I don't think that's as credible of an analysis. But this is really serious. What do we do about it, Preet? No pressure. (laughs) There are a number of bills that are pending in the Congress, none of which Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, wants to move on. The bottom line problem in all of this is that the president doesn't want any of these things to get attention even on a going forward basis, because any suggestion that there will be interference in the future, he does not sever that from interference in the past. And even though all the intel services say there was interference, even though there's basically unanimity that the Russians interfered and they interfered on the side of President Trump and wanted President Trump to win, that undermines President Trump's vanity about the legitimacy of the election and any attention to it going forward, even though it's good for the country, he doesn't like any emphasis on it. I was on on CNN late on the evening of the testimony with Rob Ray, who's a 
Republican lawyer supporter of the president. And the thing we talked about was, why doesn't the president show some leadership? And I actually think it would be good for him. He could say, look, I won legitimately, say whatever he wants to say about 2016. I too care about America. I too care about elections. I too care about democracy. And I too care about interference from a foreign adversary. So we should pass these laws and we should be strong going forward. And it's good for him for another reason. If the thing he cares about the most with his fragile ego is doubt about the legitimacy of his election, he could get reelected. I know people don't like to hear that, but he could easily get reelected. And if he has not taken any effort to do something about it, and there is, as we know there will be, some forms of interference in the 2020 election, he will then have the burden of having to defend against a second illegitimate election right. because he never did anything about it. And in fact, you know, last time around, encouraged it, even though he didn't get charged for it, and seems to be, if not encouraging it, at least passively allowing it to happen. And the other thing is, once people have seen in other countries, the Russians have basically gotten away with it. There's no price to pay from the president. Other countries are going to get in on it too. Completely. I mean, it's like the United States elections are open for business. Yeah. And, and so why would a foreign adversary, a hostile state power, not do it? You tweeted out last week, and I, I thought this was a great thing, a link to one of the Donald Trump tweets. Um, this was from July 9th, 2017. I swear to you, I thought, like, I... I had forgotten. <laughs> your tweet was, wish someone had asked Mueller about this tweet. Reporters still can ask Trump about the abject idiocy and disloyalty it shows. And here's the Donald J. Trump tweet. Putin and I discussed forming an impenetrable cybersecurity unit so that election hacking and many other negative things will be guarded. <laughs> It's like the fox in the hen house 101. He's like, why don't we just let Vladimir Putin take over election security and he can do whatever he wants to do? But I kind of mean it about that. Like the next time anybody, whether it's Maria Bartiromo, who I don't know what happened to her or anyone else. Sits with the, the president, president there. Yeah. Show him some of these statements. Is it's not just, oh, I'm not sure about the election interference. He literally was saying we're going to get together with Putin. The person who was responsible for the election interference. And whose state agents have been charged with committing crimes related to hacking into our election. And say, let's you and I develop <laughs> an impenetrable, what was it, impenetrable? Impenetrable, but it's really very unclear, an impenetrable cybersecurity unit. But then he says guard the, ne maybe he meant what he said, guard the negative things. What does it say at the end? So that election hacking and many other negative things will be guarded. Is negative gonna, things will be guarded. Yeah. So maybe he actually is very clever. And he's <laughs> all, all, so we can, we can preserve the interference. And all the bad things about him will never come out. <laughs> be, they can be guarded. Um, to your point, though, you're right about this, about how important it is for the country. It's also very foolish to think that all the hacking from foreign adversaries will benefit you as the president currently believes, right? It could be... What goes around comes around. In some future election, there could be some country decides we want the Democrat to win. And it's just all bad for us. It's bad for to have a foreign power on either side pushing into the election. One thing I want to note, I'm going to disclose one of my past secrets, Preet, which is that Whoa. you may not Whoa. know this. <laughs> all right, should we get some, get some music? <laughs> when I was AG, I ran the division of elections for the state of New Jersey. And I agreed to give that to the Secretary of State because the AG really should not run the division of elections. I was going to say. For many reasons. Yeah. It's just way too complicated. Um, I also ran, by the way, mixed martial arts and the horse driving. <laughs> now you're just showing off. You're just never Now gonna, you're just showing off. It's going to be like a joke of what, what I can speak to. But one of the things that... I ran the barbecue. <laughs> at the you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a whole barbecue every summer. That's and a, I didn't really run it. I was a figurehead. That's a pretty good thing. Yeah, it's um, good barbecue. Dinosaur barbecue. Very, very yummy. Oh, I love dinosaur barbecue. Yeah. Going back to the joint intelligence report that came out last Thursday, 
One of the things that they highlighted, and I think is so important to talk about, is the fact that the states are just not equipped to deal with election hacking by a sophisticated state-run foreign adversary. And I can tell you, look, I think the election folks that I worked with in the state of New Jersey were extraordinarily talented. There's no way that this, they're not cybersecurity experts. They wouldn't know how to respond. There's so much that the federal government needs to do in this space. And to... To say that states are in charge of elections, okay, but there are plenty of spaces, take education, for example, that are hybrids where the federal government has standards and rules and the states also have standards and rules. And so there's a space here that if we do not fix this, we will never be able to feel confident in our elections because that is a level of sophistication that the states, they just don't have and I don't expect them to have. People can call Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell, tell him to release the hold on these bills and put them on the floor. So one thing when I was sitting on the panel at CNN last week was there was a Congressman Ratcliffe who some people didn't like this when I said it on Twitter. He was a pretty effective questioner. He asked this question about the inversion of the burden and whether or not there was any policy backing for Bob Mueller's apparent decision to say no exoneration. We've been talking about that a lot. And I think there are good answers to that. And I think it was not quite fair what I meant to say, but it was effective because he was a pretty strong questioner and it got my attention, and Mueller was not able to push back at him in the way that I thought he might have been able to. And someone else on the panel said, well, here's what's going on. He's auditioning for the job of Director of National Intelligence, DNI. And sure enough, the reporting as we come into the studio on Monday morning, uh, July 29th, is that he's going to be nominated because Dan Coats, former senator, never on the same page, quite on the same page with Donald Trump, has announced his resignation and it looks like Coates is being pushed out. So yes. ju- just to be clear, it looks like the president has tweeted out negative things about Coates in the past. And we should talk about Dan Coates just for a second. He's a former senator. He also, like other members of the Intelligence Committee, has been very strong in saying that Russia hacked the election and that we need to do more for election security. So he has been at odds with the president. I would argue very much on the substance of what happened in 2016. I think Coates has been honorable. I don't want to endorse everything he's done, but I think he's very much been willing to step out and say, contrary to what the president has thought and said, that he thinks that there's a problem. And so when you speak out against the president, that puts you on the outs. And so the president is now putting in Representative Radcliffe, who is a former U.S. attorney, former prosecutor, So you've done terrorism cases. You know, you've been top secret cleared. I've been top secret cleared. I've been briefed on intelligence matters many times. It still feels to me like DNI, the director of national intelligence, should be an intelligence, someone who is part of the intelligence community and not a prosecutor. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that was my first reaction. So I, I have maybe a minority view on some of these things. On all positions of leadership, I think there's an important factor to consider, and that is direct, relevant expertise and experience. And I think that's incredibly important. It is not the only thing. I think there are people who are really smart, really good managers, have very good judgment, who I would trust to lead basically any agency, even if they didn't have a lot of subject matter expertise in the way that you might want, because you know that they're going to hire good people and you know that they have good judgment. I'll give you an example of this. Somebody who was belittled uh, when he was first selected for the position, didn't have intelligence experience, but was a very seasoned member of Congress, worked in the Clinton White House, uh, Diane Feinstein, the state forces. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and become a member. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.